Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. This paid podcast was produced by Slate Studios in partnership with Spotify Studios. Today's episode of Showstopper is presented by Ball and the Family, an all-new show only on Facebook Watch. Head to facebook.com slash ballinthefamily to catch up and watch new episodes every Sunday. One of the best songs I've ever written in my entire life. And, and you know, I got to collaborate with a great friend as well to make it happen. And, and as, as I always say, like, you know, it's only on a show like This Is Us where an Indian guy from Jersey could end up writing a soul song. From Spotify Studios, this is Showstopper, the podcast that takes you inside the playlist of your favorite TV shows and films. I'm your host, Xavier Jernigan, head of shows and editorial for North America at Spotify. Today we're talking about the music of This Is Us with composer Siddhartha Kosla. Siddhartha is my full name. That's kind of what appears on like the credits, but people call me Sid all the time. And music supervisor, Jennifer Pikin. And I oversee all the songs that are licensed and songs that are recorded for the show. Now in its second season on NBC, it's the number one drama on network television. The series follows the Pearson family across three generations, from the 1970s to the present day. And it all plays out in a time structure that's not totally linear. Through flashbacks and flash forwards, we get to see every character's life unfold. I think this show is so special. It's come in a time when a lot of things are going on in this world and a lot of like dark things are going on. And this show is just kind of, I wouldn't say it's light, but it actually is family-oriented. In the first episode, we meet Jack and Rebecca as she's about to give birth to triplets. Tragically, one of the babies dies. But after a series of events, the parents end up adopting a newborn who was abandoned at the hospital the same day. Randall joins the surviving twins, Kate and Kevin. They're called the Big Three. It's an intimate family portrait from the baby's first steps to their father's untimely death. Pretty melodramatic stuff. But Dan Fogelman, the show's creator, brought in longtime collaborators he trusted to not make it too cheesy. I know everyone's like, oh, it's the tissue. And I cry myself, but I don't, I don't really, when I'm choosing music, I'm not trying to make people cry. It's super well written. The acting is incredible. It's all there. And I'm not asked to change anything ever. I'm just asked to find songs that I think are going to work and not sit there and not for any reason, not for the lyrics and not to hit people over the head. Our audience is really smart, and I think if we did that, I don't think they would stay around. When it came time to find a composer for the pilot, Dan handpicked his friend Sid to score it. He sent me a script, and he said, I want you to read the script. It's called The 36, and let me know what you think. And I read it, and I was floored, especially by how that pilot episode ended. And, and he said, see if it inspires anything for you. And it did. I, as I was reading it, I had my acoustic guitar in my hand, and I was just kind of playing along as I was reading. And I wrote this six-minute piece of score, and I sent it to Dan and Glenn Ficar and John Riqua, who direct the show. The three of them loved the piece, and, uh, it, and then they were like, this is the sound of our show. 
I, I write music on this show for my friend because I know this, these stories come from a very personal place for him. Back in 1999, Sid's band Goldspot was playing to tiny crowds in L.A., and Dan was one of the few who came to see him live. He was like one of the five people that would come to see me perform in L.A. And, you know, he began to really see my career start. I saw his career start at the same time. The type of music I write is obviously different. My band's music is different than this, but the approach to making the music is very similar. And music flows through the Pearson family, too. Rebecca, played by Mandy Moore, and her daughter Kate, played by Chrissy Metz, both sing. And it turns out that Randall's father, William, was also a musician. For a flashback scene, Sid had to write a song and put a band together that sounded straight out of the 70s. Well, Dan sent me the script, and he said that we're going to have a big original song moment in this episode. And, and the story of the episode is William taking Randall on a road trip to Memphis. Um, and in this episode, you see flashback to young William's life. And so Dan had scripted it that William was in a band with his cousin Ricky. They were in a blues covers band. And they get to the stage where they had just finished performing and it's late night at this divey little bar. And they get together and start playing this song. And this song ends up getting played for two people, for five people. And then you start seeing the band get bigger and bigger and bigger. And it play, the song is like a hit for them. And that's the song. Brian Tyree Henry, the actor, from Atlanta, who was guesting on our show, was the lead singer in this band. And Brian brought his whole his whole other energy to the song that was so incredible. Like he sounded like Teddy Pendergrass. It floored everybody when they heard it. The whole thing was recorded live. Like there was not, we didn't do like, let's do the drums first, let's do the guitars first. Like it all was done together in a room. So it felt real and authentic. And I spoke to Dan and Glenn and John, because Glenn and John were directing the episode. And they said, we wanted this to have a distinctly Memphis sound to it, um, something that could have been the Stax Records B-side. Um, and I was like, why are you asking the Indian guy from Jersey to write this? I got off that phone call and I was like, how in the world am I going to do this? But I had written songs my whole life, so it's kind of that's what I do better than writing score, I feel like. It's songs. And, and so I obviously love... Stax record stuff, and I love Otis Redding, and I love all those incredible artists. And so I listened, and I realized that a lot of it lyrically was conversational. So right away what came to me was like, we can always come back to this. That line came to me. And the idea of it was, you know, like, hey, like I may be around you today, and I love you, and we have this relationship, and if you go away for whatever reason, whether you die or you leave my life, don't we can always come back to this. Like we'll find each other again down the road. That's what came to me, and so I was like, okay, that's the song. And I called a buddy of mine, um, Chris Pierce, who's a great singer songwriter, and and he sounds like Otis Redding when he sings, and he's a great songwriter. And I called him, and I didn't, I'd not spoken to him in ten years, and I was like, hey, I got this song I'm working on. And I was like, it's, I was like, I've written this song, but I was like, I just, I need you to help me because I, I just, I want it to feel authentic. And so Chris comes by, and um, I put up mic, and I just, I said, just play the song now. Just take up the guitar and play it. And he crushed it. It was so beautiful. And sent it to Glenn and John and Dan, and they were floored. They're like, this is our song. We can always come back to this. Mirrors the soul of the show. Jennifer wanted to find an artist who could cover the song in a totally different way. 
we had a video of Chris Pierce playing it in Sid's studio. So I took that video and I sent it to a bunch of indie artists. And I said, I want to make this a female indie song. Hannah Miller, this incredible songwriter from Nashville, covered the song and did her own acoustic rendition of it. And that's what plays at the end of the episode when William dies. And that's like a whole other, that crushed us all when she presented that. That was really beautiful. Hers just had the emotional impact of, we really wanted someone to have some depth and some, that had lived a life. Um, And so she uh, brought that to it. And Sid and I actually had a conversation about this um, last week. And we talked about she really made it her own. And I thought Sid said that, and I thought, yeah, she really put something into it that was a little different. It's the Hannah Miller touch. We actually ended up using the demo. Um, the cool thing about these guys is, is Glenn and John and Dan is that they're not looking for this overly produced track. They didn't want to go in and have this big studio. They, they loved it just the way she did it. The vibe of the show was natural. The producers don't want the score to feel big or glossy. And for that, Sid has a secret. I use um, acoustic guitar, and it's and I the key is I just don't I've not changed my strings on the guitar in eight years, and it's the deadest sounding guitar you've ever heard. But I like it because it's just it sounds like broken and old, and it's just like it doesn't feel it doesn't feel new. And then for percussion, I use uh, my wooden table. So there's like this wooden table right here on my desk, um, and this one. And so I oftentimes I'm just playing. It's like I'm playing tabla. I'll put the mic up to the table and and um, and just record that and layer. It's very organic. Like it's just it's all real instruments. Um, I, I feel like I'm making a record every time I do an episode of the show. Each episode dives into a key moment for the family. In the finale for season one, Sid wrote a piece that ties together the present and the past. Jack is telling Rebecca, it's a very powerful monologue where he's like, you know, uh, this is now back, this is in the past. And he's telling her they're, they're going through marital troubles and, and, and he's like, our kids are going to be okay. And he's telling her our kids are going to be fine. They're going to be okay. And you start flashing forward to the big three. And you, you see this as Jack is telling Rebecca and it's just like this incredible monologue of, of his love for her, despite what they're going through. And I had written this piece as if I was the band and that was the dialogue and that was the lead singer. They were like Jack and Rebecca were the lead singers and I was just playing along this whole drive. Um, and, and we found this theme there that was kind of, that was driving and, and, and it just, it was kind of, it was really cool against picture. In season two, there's a series of episodes known as the Trilogy. Each episode follows one of the three kids. So the, the trilogy is Kevin's story, Kate's story, Randall's story, all on the same day in the present and all on the same day in the past, but told from each of their perspectives. So I, I, I pitched to Dan right before I started scoring the first part of the trilogy, and I said, I think I should just create a theme, a single melodic theme that we can apply to all three episodes. I said, why don't we just, I literally have the same piece of score in each one of those moments. And I did do that as much as possible. It, could, it wasn't to a T, but the same themes were happening in like the same places. So it really made you feel like the episodes were mirroring one another. Uh, that was like one of my favorite pieces of music I've done so far for the show. It's really simple, just acoustic guitar, 
piano and some synth bass. It needed to have equal amounts of hope in it as it did sadness uh, because it was about them coping in many ways. So this was kind of their coping theme. Throughout the series, we see the big three wrestle with their dad's death, but the audience doesn't know what really happened to Jack. In episode 13 of season one, Kate is at a weight loss camp and they're sitting on these mats and they have these sticks in their hands and in unison, they're all drumming to the same beat. But in this moment, she has this this memory and we see the memory she has and it starts off with her as a child uh, grappling with her weight issues. Um, She has this moment with her dad um, where they're voguing with each other, you know, they were just like, they had just been listening to Madonna, and, and, and so he's just like doing the Vogue dance with her, just being the perfect dad. And then out of nowhere, we're shell-shocked with footage from the funeral. And like, we've not seen anything related to Jack's death at all. This is the first time we see anything related to the funeral. And the picture I got in these flashbacks she's having, it's just dead silent. You're just seeing picture. And all of a sudden you see this there's a minute and a half, I think, where we're holding on, a minute or so, we're holding on the funeral. And it's just silent, like nothing. And and that had to be this haunting moment. Um, and it was in that moment that I wrote Jack's theme. And that's kind of when the sound of the show opened up for me. One of the editors actually said to me, and it was just not the right word to use because I normally that kind of makes me cringe, but it, she used the word transcendental. Initially, I was like, that's the worst idea I've ever heard. Like, I'm not doing that. That just sounds cheesy to me. But then I thought of what she was trying to get across. And it wasn't saying put in some yoga music in here. You know, it was like tap into something deeper, as deep as you can. And it made me at that moment bringing in kind of like my Indian roots or something in the sound of that piece. And I started playing like tabla, but on my wooden table. And this just opened a whole world for me because all of a sudden I was like, oh, wait a minute, this is where the sound of the show is going. This is it right here. And, and it was really cool because from that moment on, I've started pushing more and more into kind of the older Indian stuff like that I grew up listening to as a kid. Early on, there's a scene where Rebecca has a heart-to-heart with her newborn children. And she's talking to the triplets and, and concerned that she's not going to be the mother that, that they deserve. And it's a really powerful monologue by her. And, and then and you find out Jack's been filming this whole thing the whole time in classic Jack fashion. And um, and the end of the episode needed to have a song that spoke to that. Sid ended up going back to a song he made with Goldspot. It's called Evergreen Cassette. He wrote it about his own childhood. My parents came to this country in the late 70s from India. And when they came here, they had $8 in their pockets. And at the time, they were both in school full-time and working jobs at night, and there was no real way to take care of me. And, and so they saved up enough money over time to send me back to India to be raised by my grandparents while they stayed here and built a life for us. I was two. That was probably the toughest decision my parents have ever had to make. And at the time, it was $24 a minute to make a long-distance phone call. So we communicated over a cassette tape. And my mom would record her voice on a cassette tape, send it to me in India. She would sing me lullabies, tell me she loved me. And my grandparents would hit record, and I would say something unintelligible back. And we communicated on that tape, that same tape, 
for two years. So I wrote the song called Evergreen Cassette about just the struggle that my mom to this day deals with. My mom cried when she saw that episode. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. Calling all snack connoisseurs, this sponsorship is for you. If you're an artisanal meat and cheese lover, look no further than Hillshire Snacking Small Plates. Take your favorite bites on the go. Prosciutto and cheddar cheese, spice salami and gouda cheese. You get the picture. Hillshire Snacking Small Plates, a snack above. Find your perfect pairing at hillshiresnacking.com. Now back to the show. For season two, Jennifer's research started even before she saw a script. I went through all my playlists. I reached out to different um, publishers and record labels and just managers and bands. And I started getting in a lot of covers. Then a version of Jesus Etc. fell in her lap. I'm a big Wilco fan. It was covered by the English singer Bill Fay. And I listen to it. And then I go back to it again. And then I go back to it again. I, I know there's something special about it. And I put it on one of my playlists that went into edit. And um, our editor connected with the song as well, and she dropped it in that episode. I don't know if you know anything about Bill Fay, but he was kind of this, um, I think it was like the 70s. He was an artist who had a record out in the 70s, and I think in around 2005, people rediscovered it. And he's living in, I think, the north of England right now, and his label sent me a note that he sent them saying, can I thank the music supervisor? It just brought tears to my eyes because he's like in his 70s now and he's writing this the sweetest email thanking me and it just made me just fall in love with him. If he loved the usage because it was a real, really sweet usage going back and forth. After Tess is born and it's Rebecca with the babies talking to the babies and it just really warmed up the scene and it's like the icing on the cake. Another cover we hear is Come Talk to Me by Peter Gabriel. Sid covered it with his band Gold Spot. The scene is a flashback to high school. There's been a lot of tension between Kevin and Randall, and it finally erupts on a football field when their rival teams play each other. I think I approached the Peter Gabriel cover almost like how Peter Gabriel approaches his own covers of other people's work. Like when you hear Peter Gabriel's covers of The Arcade Fire... I think he does My Body's a Cage. He does all like he does these slower, haunting covers that are really, really cool and sound nothing like the original. They feel so different. And I wanted to do a cover that was also in the palette of the show. So I had that same acoustic guitar with that weird Nick Drake tuning and played that and just started singing along. And it was a really it was a much slower version of the song. It wasn't as big and epic. It was more quietly epic. Um, very stripped down approach. There's like very little on the track. It's just my vocal. I double tracked my vocal. There was an acoustic and I added some harmonium, I think, in places. A little bit of piano, not much. Other times, the show uses music in surprising ways. In one scene, we watch a nervous Jack and Rebecca try to act like a perfect family so they can adopt Randall, but the house is a hot mess. Meanwhile, the tranquil song Fairy Tale Lullaby plays. It's such a sweet scene, and it's so real to me. When the adoption, the woman comes and, you know, they're feeding the kids sugar, and she's trying to be perfect, and she's got three babies, and it's, it's just warm, and chaos is going on. So I guess that played against, even though it's a fairy tale lullaby, it played against everything going on in the scene. And when they're taking the picture of the kids... 
Um, no one's sitting right, and it's just, it's a life. Later, we get to watch Randall become a father himself. And like his parents, he's a nervous wreck. Jennifer wanted to find a song to play against his anxiety, but has a modern feel. The scene takes place in 2008. You see the Obama's election, and they have the sign in the front yard, and Randall's getting ready to have his baby, and he's stressed out. And, and we go back and forth from a bunch of different scenes. Um, so I was looking at like Ray LaMontagne, and I kept researching and listening to more songs. And Sid was working on this scene at the same time. And I'd heard this Wilderness of Manitoba song, and it kind of sounded like a little bit like— it didn't sound like Sid, but it had somehow, it sounded score-like to me. It sounded like the score from our show. And Dan Fogelman, once again, in his brilliant manner, he ties it all together as if it's score. So when Randall's in the hardware store and he's talking to the guy about stressing out and he's having this baby, and, and so we put it in that scene. And then we brought it back again when Beth's having the baby. Each episode ends with a sense of relief a hopeful song that plays during the end credits. This is right before we finished the pilot episode, and my wife and I, we were on vacation. I brought my guitar with me, and I was sitting down at, on the beach, and uh, and I just started writing a song called, I don't remember what it was called, but I was I kept on singing, cheesy, it was really cheesy, I kept on singing This Is Us over and over again. Um, it was very on the nose, but it was just like, I was just trying to do that to get this melody out. And I kept on singing that melody over and over again. And I started off as a song with vocal and that. And then when it came time to come up with like end title theme for the show, because we decided not to do a main title. The main title is in there, but it's like five seconds long. But we wanted to do a lengthier end title instead. I just told Dan, I was like, I had this iPhone recording from the beach. And I was like, what do you think of this? And he's like, this is cool. This Is Us is a phenomenon. Um, it's the first show I've ever worked on where so many people feel connected. Um and ask me about it and have a story to tell, like I'm adopted or I have, you know, family issues. So I, I've never worked on a show that people actually have a connection to this strongly. It's just what honestly comes out of me. That people are like, oh, when that acoustic guitar comes in, I want to start crying. That was never the intention. But I will say that there are times where I am watching picture and I do pick up the guitar and I'm playing to what I see and I have teared up playing to the music, playing not because of my music, I've teared up to what I'm looking at. And so I know that when I'm playing the score and I'm performing it and I'm crying, I know that other people are probably gonna end up crying too. Check out the This Is Us playlist updated with the latest songs from each episode immediately after it airs, right here, only on Spotify. Showstopper is produced by Spotify Studios in collaboration with Slate Studios with production by Fanny Co. Our producers are Fanny Cohen and Morgan Hett. Special thanks to Natalie Tella, Leah Campbell, Sharon Wong, and Michelle Siegel. Our theme song is produced by my homie, Prince Maestro. From Spotify, I'm Xavier Jernigan. Keep listening. Today's episode of Showstopper is presented by the Army National Guard. Discover how you can make a difference in your community and country by visiting goarmy.com slash armyguard and discover more episodes of Showstopper only on Spotify. Thanks for listening to Showstopper.